I'm so glad that you decided to take me up on the offer of appearing on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast because one of your close compadres, Stephanie Liu, has given me so much great information and so much great mind-blowing dynamite on a whole lot of different things that I figure anybody who's associated with Stephanie has got to be a kind, decent human being who has a lot to offer the world. And consequently, I want to meet them and talk to them. So Mike Alton, I got a basic question for you, which is you go in some places by the blogging brute. What does the blogging brute actually mean? Well, first, thank you for having me. Thank you very much for saying that my association of Stephanie means so much because it does, but for goodness sakes, please don't compare me to Stephanie because she's awesome and I am not, and I would pale at that comparison. So and out of the way, Blogging Brute is actually a fun little nickname that another mutual friend, Jeff C., gave me a number of years ago. We were on a live video show. Back then it was on Google+. Plus, So this was Hangouts on Air. And it was a show that he started with a bunch of us and we were interviewing I want to say Guy Kawasaki at the time. I don't remember. We, we interviewed a bunch of people back then. We were on a live video show. I was one of the panelists that was a regular on the show. We were interviewing Guy. And while we were talking, I was taking notes. And within probably 20 minutes after the broadcast ended, I published a blog post about the show. And it, it just blew his mind that I could have written an article that fast about something that had just happened. And he's like, you must be some kind of a, a brute. You're like a blogging brute. And he was referencing Princess Pride in, in the Brute Squad. So that's come up often over the past few years because I did have a tendency to write fast and write often. I would often break news uh, in the social media marketing space. Like when Vine shut down in 2016, I was the first one outside of Vine to write about it and uh, other kinds of trending topics to just develop that reputation as, as a prolific and very expedient blogger. And I fell into it. I just kind of leaned in it really is the word. Wanted to create a site just for my content about blogging, where I could teach people how to blog, how to leverage content marketing, how to do so strategically without wasting a lot of time and spinning a lot of wheels. And it really made sense to me to just run with Blogging Brute. Well, I got to admit, I was impressed by something on your bloggingbrute.com website that caught my eye, specifically under the About Mike Alton Blogging Brute page, there was a, well, and you appear to think it's significant too, because it's actually in bold type and I'll read it aloud for everybody. My average blog post is over 2000 words long, took just an hour to write and people see it everywhere when it's published. Okay. Now you don't know me, but I've been a copywriter, advertising copywriter for close to three decades now. And I used to think I was a fast writer based on all the writers that I was surrounded by. I have never written 2,000 words in an hour. <laughs> when I saw that citation, I'm like, holy moly, this guy has, has uh, he, he's flying at a totally different level when it comes to the speed at which you can create such quantity. So good on you for that. Yeah, and I would, first of all, joking aside, would say speed isn't what's most important. Even the number of words isn't what's most important. What's most important is that we're providing value to our audience. Now, what allows me to do that consistently and quickly is, is one of the tenets I teach people often, which is to write about what you know. Most of the people that I'm talking to or working with, you know, when we really get down to it, you know, because they all, everybody says, I hate blocking. I hate writing. It's so painful to me. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's figure that out. Why is it so painful? Why do you hate it? Well, 
it takes me six to eight hours to write an article. They'll tell me I'm like, really, why does it take you so long to write 750 words or a thousand words on a particular topic? Well, I've got to look all this stuff up and I've got to research it and I've got to cite my facts. I'm like, who's asking you to write a college research paper? That's really what they're doing, right? They're trying to create this body of research. And what people really want to know is what's already inside their head. And if they could get themselves out of that mindset, well, I need to research everything and just share what they know, their experience, share their stories are already in there. That comes pretty quick. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by Culture Chicken Brand Egg. What's that? It's one of my most requested presentations, now available as in-person live or virtual online presentations. If you've got a group or association that loves presentations that inspire, inform, entertain, and get you going at the same time, we should talk. Head on over to dpknewton.com speaking to download my full speaker media kit today. And let's start talking about how I can help you get your party started. It's interesting you bring that up because regular listeners to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast will remember recently Andy Crestadina of Orbit Media Studios in Chicago, Illinois was on and he was talking about what you kind of described, which was the deep, rich, multiple hour blog posts that can create a whole lot of activity for you, especially if you want to present yourself as an authority on any given subject, about any given topic, et cetera. But you're talking about a slightly different style of blogging, which is not necessarily put on your professorial hat, but put on your conversational hat, put on the, hey, here's one thing I learned. And maybe am I putting words in your mouth to say, write a blog post about one thing that you learned that might be of value to an audience? No. And in fact, I love that you mentioned Andy. Andy is fantastic. In fact, when I'm teaching people proper content marketing, he's one of the people I reference every presentation and talk. I love the fact that every single year, I think this is his sixth year, conducts original research on his industry, which happens to be content marketing. He publishes that as what we call a pillar post. It's like 10,000 plus words original research. He has surveyed people, asked them questions like, how much time do you spend writing your blog post? How often do you publish blog posts? Right. And he comes up with these statistics that people like me cite to this day. It's beautiful. And I do tell people, you should come up with a way to do something like that every quarter. Maybe it's not original research. Maybe it's just a thoroughly researched topic where you're you know, really going into the depth of how to do something. But that's not what the average piece of content is probably going to look like for most businesses. Business is a little bit different and maybe the goals are a little bit different. But if you as a business are looking to create real brand awareness, really up your potential to rank for key search terms within Google and to provide your audience with a regular source of information that helps establish your authority, then you don't need to spend that much time creating blog content regularly. Twelve hours a week, writing, you know, anywhere from a thousand, two thousand word article that, as you said perfectly, shares one thing that you've learned, particularly if you can frame it from the perspective of your clients and customers. If you can make them the hero of the story and share what they learned, what they accomplished, and you're just kind of along for the ride, that's golden. And it's again, typically not something that would take you that long, but hopefully it's something that you can publish on a regular basis. Yeah, that's really great. And I often think in terms of analogy and metaphor, and that's the way my mind works. Forgive me if I do that. But what I hear you saying is that if you're serving up a meal to friends, 
not every meal has to be a seven course dinner. Some could just be, here's an appetizer and a drink. And still you get the value of being a perfect host because you're sharing of yourself, what you know and how you know it. And you're proving that to everybody. And from my point of view, that's the most important thing when it comes to actually building a presence and personal brand, especially via the free tools of social media, which, you know, that's just opportunity staring you at in the face on the table. And unfortunately, too many people leave that opportunity on the table. They don't do what you're talking about, which is let's just pick the strangest, weirdest, niche thing you can think of. And oftentimes I'll say something like, Aluminum anonization and adnod. I can't even say it. Adonizing aluminum, giving it a coating. There has to be someone who's the number one expert on it, cited by everyone in the industry. And they got there because they did what you talked about, which is share what you know, no matter how arcane or obtuse or strange or niche. Well, it's almost better because then you can truly own that thing. If you're a generalist, well, join the rest of the world. But if you're a special specialist, you're one of one. That is 100% true. And it's, it's, a, it's a lesson that I have learned the hard way over the years. I started writing about anything that I considered within the realm of online marketing, which is a huge, broad space, right? I wrote about social media and content marketing and SEO and email marketing and paid advertising, and even like classif- online classified ads, email signatures. I even went so far as to write about technology that was being developed and released. Like I, I live blogged iPhone launches and, and, and those kinds of things. And it was just anything that I could think of that was related to my core business, which at the time was 100% just social media. I wrote about it. And it wasn't until years later that I looked back and, and finally learned this hard lesson, which was that most of that effort was a total waste of time. Mm. Nobody came to read my live blog of the Apple iPhone 3GS when it was released. Nobody read that article that day or any day afterwards, which means all the time that I put into creating that piece of content was a waste. And it gets worse because when you know SEO and you know content creation, what you know is that your website has a total number of pages, posts, and total words. And Google's not really looking at like, you know, when you publish things, I mean, they are, but not thinking about the way you and I are. Google's looking at your entire site. How many words did Mike write about blogging? How many times did Mike write about Facebook? And when you add irrelevant content to your site, it waters down the overall ratio, right? My site, the social media hat, which is my, my social media blog, it's well-known and well-ranked for Facebook-related topics. That drives traffic all day long. But when I publish something about email signatures, when I publish something about Apple iPhones, I'm adding to the total word count and page count of the site. I'm not talking about Facebook in those posts. So it's really diluting the effectiveness of the site. And that's something that you could easily see or measure. It's only really in hindsight that you realize, oh, okay, that article is not part of my core. I shouldn't have published it. I shouldn't have wasted the time. And I shouldn't have wasted the space, literally, on my site. That's why a lot of SEO experts today will tell you, look, go through your site today. Look at all the articles that are getting traffic and all the articles that aren't getting traffic. And just start deleting them. Start unpublishing content that's getting no traffic. And if it's getting some traffic, see if you can either redirect it to a better article or improve it in some way. 
because that stuff, that garbage, that's not getting any traffic at all, that's actually hurting you. Yeah, well, I think what you're talking about is relevance, right? If, mm. if you have a, a central pillar that you are trying to become an authority in, you want everything to be very closely associated with that pillar or at least within 10 feet of it. You know, I, I'm sure if, if you wanted to talk about going to a conference that was about blogging and you had some takeaways from that conference, that may be a little bit off topic of what your core thing is, but it, it's, it's a sister. It's a, a brother. It's still in the same family. Whereas if you went to a I don't know, a baseball card conference where people are buying and trading baseball cards, all of a sudden, what, what's that got to do with your, your central idea? Now, it may give a little bit of flavor into who you are, but it certainly doesn't talk about what you do and how you do it in a way that supports you and supports your personal brand. Because the old brander in me goes way back to when early on in my career, I worked on Coca-Cola and those guys sell brown bubbly sugar water, right? And how many other people sell bubbly brown sugar water? Yeah. Thousands. And yet, what's the number one purveyor of bubbly brown sugar water? So much so that people get their uh, logo tattooed on parts of their body. <laughs> That's Coca-Cola. And guess what? They don't spray. I mean, I had my posterior handed to me numerous times when I was writing copy and it would get shot down because it didn't have anything to do with authenticity, sociability, and refreshment. Those three words were the words they judged everything. How does this say sociability? How does it say authenticity? We're the real thing. We, we beat Pepsi by a year, literally a year, but they're the real thing. They're the first, and they never wanted to stop telling that story. Well, so what is the story about, about you? Like if I'm, and again, nonfiction branders, I am meeting Mike Alton for the very first time via Zoom right now, based on the fact that we have some mutual friends and I've done enough research into who he is to go, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about in certain specific areas. Number one, blogging, the whole blogging brute website that you've got is all about that. But it doesn't stop there. You've also got the socialmediahat.com, which is about social media and providing social media resources, social media tools, et cetera, et cetera. And like I'm looking at your blog post that you put up yesterday, the social media job hazard no one is talking about. If social networks are as toxic as some claim, how is that impacting social media managers? That's a really interesting thing. I saw that today and went, wow, I've been thinking about this for the past... I don't know, 60 days. And you're the first person who's actually asking and answering that question. That makes you interesting and valuable to me. And again, you're not talking about baseball card. You're not talking about skateboards. And you're not talking about the perfect smoky eye makeup technique. Although I'm sure <laughs> you could. could. Yeah, I could. I could totally talk about that. No, but I loved earlier when you went to a food reference. And, and Stephanie would appreciate this too. We love, we love using food as a metaphor. And in this case, what we're talking about is you as a business, as a brand, you are a restaurant with a very specific cuisine and you have a very specific menu that reflects items from that cuisine, Mexican restaurant, Italian restaurant, whatever you want to, you know, whatever your flavor is, but that's the kind of restaurant you are. And that's the kind of menu you serve. And you do that because you are setting expectations. When the people walk through your front door and they sit down in one of your booths or tables and they open up your menu, they're not sitting at a Mexican restaurant 
expecting to see sushi. Right. Be a little strange. Right. Now, maybe you're one of these new age fusion chefs that's, you know, putting, you know, sushi and tacos or something. I don't know. I'm not judging. But the point is on the, on, you know, most of the time we're sitting down and we have certain expectations. And when those expectations are met, we're happy. It's the same thing with Google. It's the same thing with your audiences, right? I usually recommend people have three core categories, topics, whatever it is. These are the three things, the three themes we're going to hit. And one of the things that you'll see from me, if you follow me on social media, is that I have a love for Star Wars. That's part of my personal brand. It does right. get reflected a little bit in, in my content, but I'm usually not teaching Star Wars. I'm teaching content marketing through a lens of Star Wars. For example, the composer of all the films, all the, all the core films of Star Wars is John Williams, famous composer. He's in Jaws and Indiana Jones, of course, and, and many others. And one of the reasons he was brought on to do the original Star Wars film in 74 was because he had a command for the leitmotif, which is this German opera technique of having themes associated with specific characters. Because in opera, there's not a lot of dialogue or visual cues, right? Somebody walks on stage and they're in costume and the music has been designed to help the audience know, oh, that's a bad guy. Nobody has to say it. They don't have a sign, right? But the music goes dun, 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 dun. It's low and it's dark and foreboding. And you know that's the bad guy. And then something light and cheerful happens. And maybe this is about the love interest, you know, or the protagonist of the story. So I love that approach to music because I think it applies so well to writing and content marketing. Have these themes, these categories identified that you always write about and make sure, just like with Coca-Cola, those are always present in some way, some form in everything that you're doing. And that helps keep your content marketing on track. It helps set the expectations of your audience. Okay, it's another blog post from Mike. He's only talking about one of these three things. I know it. Even if you go so broad as to know everything that I've ever talked about on all the different sites, I'm still somewhat focused. As you said, I'm not going to talk about baseball cards or makeup tips. And then it helps with Google. It helps with SEO. Hey, nonfiction branders. Did you know I wrote a book? Well, I did. And it's called Rotoma, the ROI of social media top of mind. I wrote it with my colleague, Spencer X. Smith, and it's all about Rotoma, an acronym that means return on top of mind awareness. Best-selling author and NYU Stern School of Business professor Scott Galloway called it a book that starches the fluff from social media and helps managers allocate capital and find the unicorn among unicorns, ROI. And chief content officer at Marketing Pro, Ann Handley said, this isn't just a practical way to think about the return on social media. It's also a spot on accurate way to reframe your social efforts. Check out all the five-star reviews on Amazon by searching Rotoma, R-O-T-O-M-A. Pick up your copy today and start building your personal, professional, and small business brand, the Rotoma way. You can see that focus playing out through your social media feeds. Like right now I'm looking at your Instagram feed and your blogging brute at blogging brute Instagram handle at blogging brute shows you are sharing a lot of the things you're talking about. In fact, uh, you celebrate May the 4th, uh, may the yeah. 4th be with you. And there's a Obi-Wan Mike Alton there saying hello to everybody on undoubtedly May the 4th. <laughs> But you're also sharing a lot of quotes related to writing, mm -hmm. focusing on what it takes to be successful. You know, you're sharing little nuggets of what I think of as, oh, Mike found this interesting, put it through his lens 
it made sense to share out. And so you did. You took some time to make it into a inspirational quote style Instagram post. And if you look at your Instagram feed, you'll notice that it's about uh, two thirds inspirational quotes, one third Mike Alton, or, you know, and if you go deep enough, it's actually less about Mike Alton and it's more about inspiration. It's, uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, under the socialmediahat.com, et cetera. It's all focused and it's all clearly been, let's call it lens tested or prism tested, however you want to call it, but it's like, you aren't sharing what you ate for lunch. You aren't sharing, oh, here's a picture of a bird that I just saw, but you're sharing the things that are clearly aligned with who you are, what you do and how you do it. Consequently, they support and enrich your personal brand to anyone who follows you. I think Mike's a great example of someone to follow. Yeah. That's such a keen observation because when you're looking at social media and how individuals versus brands should use it. Brands need to be careful. They need to be limited. They need to have decided in advance. These are the topics we're going to talk about. Now, it can be much broader than your content, than your blog content or video content or podcast content, because social media is a little more fluid, particularly other networks like Twitter, where you can tweet more often and Nobody is going through my Twitter feed the way you just looked at my Instagram feed and, and looking at what I you know tweeted a year ago. It's just, it's just not as easy. It's not as interesting visually. Whereas Instagram, people can do exactly what you did, which is to look at someone's profile and quickly skim down and get a sense for what it is they share and, and that sort of thing. But that's contrasted with a personal profile. Now, with your personal profile, it really is about you. And you get to make the decision how much of that is just 100% you and how much of it is your work, right? If you work for a company, your personal profile is much more likely to be really just about you and not about the company that you happen to work for. But when you're running your own company or you're a prominent member of a company you're working for, now there's going to be some blending and that is totally okay. You just need to take the time to think that through. Do I want to talk about my work on my Facebook profile? Like if you went to my Facebook profile, you're going to see me talking about my work because I have a passion for my work, whether it's my side projects or my full-time job at Agorapulse. But you will see me talking about the occasional meal if it was particularly awesome. And you'll see me talking about my kids and my family and other kinds of things that I'm doing because that's the way that I'm choosing to use that particular social platform. I made that determination years ago and everybody should. And that's the key. Everybody should think about it, create a strategy for themselves and their personal brand so that they can execute upon it every single day in a consistent way that creates expectations of your audience. I expect to get certain things from Mike and he never lets me down. Well, I wanna let people know how they can follow Mike Alton. So Mike, what is the handful of social media channels that you would like to direct people to if they would like to engage with you? Well, the easiest thing is to look for Blogging Brute everywhere. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why I went with that particular name is because it was available as a handle on all the channels. Mm -hmm. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, where, Instagram, wherever you want to follow me, I'll be there as Blogging Brute. I do have other profiles everywhere. I've been in the social media space for as long as social media has existed. So I've got profiles everywhere. But yeah, Instagram or Twitter are easy places to get in touch with me. Great. And we're going to continue this conversation next week where we'll talk about some really exciting stuff like the recent, fairly recent release of a brand new book, 
featuring you and the entire 360 marketing squad cast of characters, including <laughs> Stephanie Liu, who we here at the Nonfiction Brand Podcast dearly love. So be sure to check us out next week as well. For now, I'm DP Knuton of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Please like, subscribe, refer this podcast to others, but most of all, can you do me a solid and give us a review wherever you get your podcast because that helps other people find us. Until next week, once again, I'm DP Knuton and he is Mike Alton. And we'll be talking at you next week. Bye-bye.